Hey friends, welcome. My name is Joe, this is The Joe Martino Show. Today I wanna talk to you about something that you cannot bypass in life. You can only go through it. I'd also like to encourage you to start thinking about three friends that you could share this with because in life we benefit when we share things with other people. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. I hope that you are enjoying your wind down to 2021. I hope that your Thanksgiving was good. Uh, We did not have an episode. A couple of you emailed me, and I thought that I said in my last episode that there wouldn't be a Thanksgiving episode. Um, And... Maybe I didn't. I do not believe there will be a Christmas week episode or a New Year's week episode. Um, That is a little bit TBD, but uh, as I look at my schedule, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. I hope you're starting to think about 2022, what you want to accomplish in 2022, what you want to get done in these last four weeks uh, of 2021. You know, what changes might you tweak to your day? I am debating going back from digital to analog to navigate some of my uh, creative things that I do. Uh, I am back to debating uh, a book that I might write. Uh, I had had someone reach out about a potential fiction book, so there's some things that I'm considering there. We're still looking into, you know, what does it look like to do retreats in this time of of COVID and, and heightened awareness and, and quite frankly, a heightened discomfort for many people. We want people to feel comfortable when we invite them to these things. And so myself as an individual, my wife and I as a couple, my wife and I as business owners, we are looking at how we're going to end this year and how we're going to move into next year. Uh, and as I age, I just feel that time goes by faster and faster. I feel like Uh, You know, I spent some time with just one of my kids at a time over the Thanksgiving break. And and I feel like that time just goes so fast, incredibly fast to me in a way that is not, it's almost like I'm sad when it's done because it went so fast. But that is not what we're here to talk about today. What I want to talk about today is failure. I feel like I talk about that a lot. Recently, I watched a TikTok video where James Carey, is that his name? Jim Carey. Jim Carey, James Carey. What do you call, what's his actual, like, I mean, I know his name's probably James. Jim Carey was giving a graduation speech, I'm guessing, based on the clothing that he had on. And he told this story about his dad, who could have made a wonderful uh, comedian, according to Carey. And what happened was his dad thought that was too risky So what he did was he took a job as an accountant, a job that he hated. And because it was safe and it was secure and it didn't come with the risk that being a comedian brought. When they were, when when they were, when when Carrie was 12, his dad lost his job. And in the speech he says, and then my family had to just do whatever we could to survive. And he says what he learned from this is that you can fail at something you don't like, so you might as well try for something you love. 
Now, if you know me at all, you know that I love this sentiment. And you also know that I'd make a few tweaks. You can fail at something you hate. So you might as well fail at something you love because you're going to fail. That isn't an option. There are so many people who are living angry, desperate lives because they refuse. They refuse. They refuse. Imagine if I could talk. They refuse to engage the possibility of failure, of big, scary failure. And so they live lives they hate because at least it's safe. And they get increasingly angry and angrier and angrier and angrier because they watch people around them and they start playing the, 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 the comparison game or they start just looking in the mirror and they dislike what they see because we were not created to live cowardly lives. I find that one of the reasons this happens is we are infested with all or nothing thinking. We tend to think all or nothing. We tend to think in zero sums. Not everybody, but you know, recently, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I put up on my Facebook, my private Facebook, like, hey, how do you know if you win at life? And I'm always amazed at the answers. One person was like, you don't. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of strange. Um, I, I should ask her probably to expand on that. But I know enough of her adult life and, and some of the choices that she made. My guess is she probably feels like she's losing at aspects of life. And one of the things that, that has happened in this everybody wins for showing up culture that we've invested in is when you become an adult and you actually start to lose, the pain can be so overwhelming, so disorienting that you don't know what to do. And I think that's probably involved there. And invariably, somebody puts up, well, I don't know if I'm comfortable with the term winning because to me, winning, you know, means somebody else has to lose. It, it just isn't that way. It isn't a zero-sum game because the truth is we're all going to win or lose at different times. But how do you know if you win? This is why I love baseball. And I know some of you don't like baseball, don't know anything about baseball. But baseball is comprised at the professional level of nine innings or nine revolutions of everybody getting to hit until you get three outs. You can lose the first inning. You can lose the second inning, the third inning, the fourth inning, the fifth inning, the sixth inning, the seventh inning, and the eighth inning. And if you win the ninth inning in the right way, you win the game. Right? Let me explain this. In the first inning, your team goes up 1-0. I lost. In the second inning, your team goes up 2-0. I lost. Third, 3-0, 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, 7-0 in the seventh. 8-0 in the ninth. You've won all eight of those innings. But in the ninth inning, I blank you. You don't score any runs. And my team scores nine. I win the game 9-8. to eight. And this is why I'm obsessed with the question, how do you measure whether or not you win at life? Because that tells you what you're shooting for. One of the guys on my comment said, you win at home. If you win at home, you win at life. I would agree with that. Somebody said, you know, if God tells me when I die that I did a good job, I, uh, then I won. Okay, fine. But what are the things that God told you to do that would mean you did a good job, right? I want to know what well, somebody said, if I'm thankful more often than I'm not. Okay, it, it, these are measurable things that we can reach into, but I'm going to suggest that this idea that we can't lose is actually crushing our souls. Because what we're doing is we're worshiping safety at the and we're labeling it pragmatism or practicality. Well, I would do that, but let's just be honest. Whatever comes next, most of the time we could just rephrase to, I would do that, but I'm afraid. And when I talk to older people who are in the last quarter of life, if you will, 
when, when they talk about it and, and they're bitter and I'll bring up, I, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it as a, as a therapist with my clients. I, I have a moral responsibility to say to them, it sounds to me like you regret your life. Well, I do. And I'll invariably hear, but I just, I couldn't afford the risk. The, the, here's the problem in that sentence. What you didn't ask yourself was, could you afford the risk of not following something you love, of not pursuing something that you were passionate about? And, and, and you know, when I hear people talk about like, oh, well, you know, I don't like the term winning. And in fact, when I put it up on Facebook, I'll usually get two or three private messages where people really take exception to the term winning at life or, or the phrase winning at life. And invariably, I'll ask them, well, do you know people that have lost at life? Yes. So you know people who have not only experienced failure, but they failed at life. Yes. Okay. Well, then by definition, you're saying you know some way to measure winning at life. Right? Again, it's not, you know, did you win this year? Maybe you lost this year, or maybe you lost yesterday, or maybe over Thanksgiving break, you lost your cool and you lost. You didn't succeed at what you were aiming for in, in better interactions with your children or better, better interactions with your family. Or maybe you're wrestling with drugs or maybe you're having an affair or maybe you are a bad parent. You know, one of the things that I get tired of is this phrase, well, I'm doing my best. Okay, great. Uh, honestly, I hope that you are. In fact, the truth is I just assume you are. But there's this wonderful phrase in therapy where I am doing my best and I can do more. And so you have to ask yourself, how will I win at life? But I want you to break it down even smaller. How do you win next month, this month? You have 30 days. When this drops, it'll be December 1st. You'll have 30 days to win in December. How will you measure that? Are you going to choose the safe thing that you hate because it's safe? And, and some of my conservative friends get nervous when I have this conversation with them because they're like, well, wait, isn't this the excuse that people use to leave their spouses? Maybe, but I often argue that the people who leave their spouses using this excuse have it twisted because probably the most dangerous thing you can do is love someone unconditionally once you've been in a bad relationship with them. And I'm not talking abuse. I'm just talking about like the relationship has grown stagnant and is dying and, and there, there's, there's rot in the relationship. And so you have a boyfriend, you have a girlfriend, you have something else that has your mind and your heart and your passion. And the most dangerous thing you can, it can feel like you're doing there is actually commit to doing the things that love yourselves. I have guys invariably who are very successful at life. They come in, they sit in my office, they're middle-aged, they have two kids, two and a half kids, whatever the, the current average number is, 1.74 kids. They've got a great job. They've got a wife who's a great job. They find her very attractive and their relationship is as cold as a meat freezer because they're too scared to actually try to engage their wife and pursue their wife because they have these times where, hey, I tried to pursue her and it didn't work. Or they won't have the hard conversations with their wives like, hey, I don't feel like we're connecting and I feel like you're pulling away from me because they're afraid of what she's going to say and they live lives of quiet desperation full of cowardice and they don't pursue their wives because that's dangerous and would require effort, right? And, and, and I know I hammer this idea a lot, but we're so addicted to this all or nothing thinking as a society. You hear it in language all the time. I hear people tell me all the time, well, I just can't help that I do this because I'm anxious. 
Well, you could actually probably learn to manage that. No, 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 no. You you just don't know. Oh, okay. I, I, at that point, I don't know what to say. But like, okay, yeah, it, it, there's courage that is required. I watch people parent to safety rather than courage. Their kids are struggling and they go fix it for them rather than let the kids struggle, safely struggle, right? That's what we want. I was just thinking about this. We, we got a good snowstorm recently and my daughter's 19 and she was driving and I was like, oh, I don't like this. I want to offer to go pick her up and we can go get her car tomorrow after the roads are plowed. That doesn't help her grow. Or, or the rules you have. I think next week I'm going to do an episode on, on what happens when we have draconian technology rules. And, and, and how we shouldn't exasperate our children to anger. There's an ancient writer who wrote, don't exasperate your children to anger. And, and why do parents exasperate their children to anger? We have to have this episode first because the reason they do it is because they're parenting to safety and comfort over everything. They're letting fear run their lives. And I want to tell you something. I want you to hear this. You cannot let coexist in the same place fear and love. They don't exist together. If you let fear run your decisions, you're not letting love run your decisions. Because love is wanting what's best for the other person and for them to be the best version of themselves that they can be. And if you let fear run those decisions, how you have those conversations, you're not letting love run them. It's just how it works. You can't have both. I've talked before about how you have to normalize failure. Today, I kind of want to lay this thought out to you. You just have to accept that failure is going to be part of it. And look, I get it. It's hard. When you pursue things, it's hard. I love owning businesses, and it's so hard. It's so hard. There are times my wife and I openly talk to each other about, man, sometimes I really think about just quitting, just going and working for somebody else and just quitting. Because it's hard to do what I do, to chase my dreams. It's terrifying to create something and put it up. Every time we do a conference and we put up the sign-up sheet, I wonder, is anybody going to come? And, and yeah, there's names for that. There's psychological names for that. But here's the thing. If I let fear drive that, I won't do it. And so you have to engage your fear because you're going to fail at things. You're going to fail at things. There's no way forward without failing. My question is, are you going to fail at things that you care about, that you love, or are you going to fail at, at things you hate? Are you going to run the risk of, of failure doing things you hate because they're safe and they're comfortable? And, and you know, when I talk to my conservative friends, like I, I, I talk about, and they're like, well, but this is the reason people, you know, cite when they leave their spouse. Yeah, because I think many of those people have it twisted. And they tend to repeat the same mistakes because we all tend to repeat the same mistakes. And so as they navigate the path forward, well, this is too hard. This is harder than it should be. So they quit because I just need to be happy. When they don't stop and think, maybe what I actually need to do is endure in unhappiness for a period of time so that I can grow and become stronger and better able to handle this situation. And I have to actually engage, endure, engage the thing that terrifies me so that I can have the life that I'm desperately seeking. Perhaps the life that you're seeking comes at the end of risk. Because the thing of it is, is there's no path forward without risk. 
There just isn't. You can you can literally decide to not risk anything. Be Jim Carrey's dad. Take take the the road of safety and then lose your job because of other people's decisions. It's up to you. And look, I'm not saying everybody needs to be their own business owner. I'm not saying like it could just be you're going to take the risk of start working out and you're just going to you're going to walk. It could be you're going to take the risk that you're going to you're going to start dating again. It could be you're going to take the risk that you're not going to date. It could be that you're going to take the risk that you're going to start trying to save money, that you're going to start looking for another job. I don't know what your risk is, but I know that many, many people I meet, their lives lack something because they won't try. Maybe you're a guy and you're listening to this and you're like, dude, I I resonate with the guy that doesn't pursue his wife. Well, then pursue your wife. Maybe your wife that doesn't pursue your husband then pursue your husband. Pursue your kids. You'll just never regret pursuing people that you love. That doesn't mean that they won't hurt you. Right now, literally, I'm looking at a picture of someone uh, that that has hurt me numerous times. Nobody in my uh, family, like not my wife or my kids or anything like that. And I pursue that person with boundaries, and I don't regret it. Live your life because I'll tell you what, it goes so fast. Pursue the things that matter to you. If you feel disconnected from your spouse, I want to challenge you to make 2021 the year that you regularly and consistently pursue your spouse every single week. Risk, engage, endure, and go for it. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I hope that as you look at the end of 2021, you look to 2022, you start to ask yourself, what am I passionate about? What is it that I want to do, but I'm afraid to do? And see where that takes you. If you enjoyed this, I'd I'd encourage you to share it with three of your friends. Sharing can be scary, right? So that's one thing, right? We're going to engage something that we're we're afraid of. And then also it, it, it feels good to do something that is bigger than ourselves, to share information with people that we find helpful and that maybe they find helpful so that we can move forward. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.